Yeah, those new transponders are working really well. The um, the serial ports on the back, um, I, it was annoying because obviously they were um, they they didn't quite fit. They they were from the old the old model, so I had to cut one of the pins out to get it to fit. Well, yeah, they, they, we did have some um, adapters for them uh, over in the science bay that I might be able to... Um, Wait, to, fuck. Uh, Isn't this best of both worlds? Fuck it. this cold oh, open fuck shit. Oh, it is. Yeah, fuck this. Podcasts. A Frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Captain Slug. Its ongoing mission to explore strange new episodes, to seek out new jokes and new references, to split infinitives that no one has split before. Captain Slog, Stardate 73. Uh, I'm Eddie. Mark's here as well. We're going to talk about um, Star Trek. Uh, Mark, how, how, you, how you been? Who gives a fuck? Yeah, let's talk <laughs> about Best of Both Worlds. <laughs> this is... I, 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 I don't even think I can say this is a great Star Trek episode. I think this might be flawless television. Yeah. I don't think there's a single problem... Nope. Except for maybe the admiral's a little bit creepy at one point, but that's just yeah. because it's. A, it's <laughs> yeah, that, that's because it, as as we've spoken about in several occasions, or maybe it's just me and Laura have talked about it. Like Star Trek is a difficult one because Star Trek is is obviously super progressive, right? Star Trek is always about how how great we can possibly be, but the problem is. The, the time when it was made, what made a person great isn't necessarily what we think. So, so yeah, so occasionally you are going to get some creepy stuff from the, the 60s and the 80s, right? It's going to happen. But you, yeah. but you just have to take on board, okay, just it, it, was from a, it was from a different time. Yeah, it's weird. It's not great. They probably don't, they probably regret it. But it's, it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's fine. It's yeah, unless it, unless it really bothers you, in which case your your feelings are also valid. And you know who else would think your feelings were valid? Star Trek as a concept. <laughs> so, yeah, we're not trying to enforce everybody to believe and act the same way and believe no. the same things. That's the Borg. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. You you can think you you can absolutely think that next gen is dumb um, and that Star Trek didn't really find its feet until New Trek. That's an absolutely. That, as long as you're into Trek, who who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, respect what came before and all that. But <laughs> right, I I first first of all, I want to say because when we think, if you think about it, I want to just applaud the makers of TNG for showing the restraint they have shown with the Borg. Yeah. Because it is confirmed in this episode that the season one final finale, the neutral zone. It is confirmed pretty much beyond a shadow of a doubt that that is the Borg stealing colonies. So that that they were introduced at the end of season one. They have appeared once since then in season two. And they have not gone to them until they've hit the end of season three. And that's incredible restraint. And it works so well. So, yes, I 
respect your opinion. Um, <laughs> you are, however, actually weirdly incorrect. Um, so according to Memory Alpha, quote, uh, while the Borg had proven popular after their introduction in Q-Who, the writers had struggled to bring them back, noting that the problem of writing for a race with no personality. Um, uh, Michael Piller, who's sort of one of the head guys at the moment, he said, to me there was something special and frightening about the Borg that the lack of character brought. For a show that dwells and specialises in character to be challenged and possibly destroyed by a characterless villain seemed to me to be a special kind of threat. Uh, but when we started talking about the cliffhanger in the Borg, we, we really did talk about who was going to be the quote-unquote Queen Bee. Um, right, yes. And that's when and they decided then... it was going to be Picard. So it wasn't even so much as they could they, they had to show restraint and not using the Borg. They, they literally were like, how, how do you write a villain that has no character? Yeah. Um, and I like the fact that they didn't do a Borg Queen because mm. um, that would be a silly idea. I've got, I've got, I've got. First Contact is one of the best Star Trek movies, but I've still got problems with it. Yeah, and and like the the Borg stuff in Picard season three involving the Queen is amazing. Like because this idea that there is one person at the head of the Borg that's really holding that flag is kind of interesting to even to the extent that, that she goes for it, trying to bring them. So and like it, yeah, so I yeah I'm. I have conflicted feelings about the Borg Queen. I, I think the Borg would have been scarier without her. But I also get why you need a villain yeah, of course you for do. the movie. Because the, the thing is, right, they, the, I think that people unfairly... Um, they, they unfairly give it out to the Borg Queen. Now, there, there must be some... I don't know about you, right, but there's something about nerd culture and maybe some immutable characteristic that a Borg queen would have uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm grasping at straws here right? but the fact of the matter is that the Borg in a lot of episodes that we see them, especially in like uh, uh, season enders have a leader like De- uh, Lore is a Borg king for like a couple yeah. of eps yeah, I think you need to have that like for the Borg to so especially with later uses, you need to have something to explain what the Borg's evil scheme is. Yeah. Um, because they have schemes later on. At this point, it's fairly obvious because they head straight for Earth. Yeah. Um, and and not to jump forward in time, but like Wolf Three Five Nine, they, they they have no objective other than to get through Starfleet to get to Earth, and that's yeah terrifying. It's <laughs> fucking terrifying, and they do it. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, so a, a few things I wanted to talk about. This is the first two-parter that we've had in TNG because um, Encounter of Farpoint was never intended to be split into two parts. It got broadcast as two parts later on, but it was always written as one thing. So this is the first two-parter. Really? Um, uh, it, well, in, T, in TNG. Right, it's yeah. The first two-parter in all of Star Trek is in the original series, yeah. and it's the Menagerie, and it's because they're cutting up that feature-length pilot. Um but what I was going to say is um, there's a lot of stuff I, I love in this episode. I like the fact that there's uh, Commander Shelby, who has been the person who's been basically analysing the data. That, the, so the Enterprise got back, put all of their data about a Borg, the Borg sent it to Starfleet, and Starfleet basically put a room of people on working on that. Yeah. And then they bought, the Borg have turned up sooner than they were expected to, which I love because they were like... So in Voyager later, it's established that the Borg can use a, a trans-warp conduit. 
um, so they can go faster than warp speed and get around. So they, I like that. That's hinted at in this. But what I want to talk about the most, really, is the fact that... Right, so when this originally aired, the internet wasn't really a thing. So yeah. people didn't really know for certain what was going to happen. And Patrick Stewart had been, in many interviews, because he'd been interviewed usually about season one and season two or something, yeah. he'd been famously not happy with being in Star Trek. Yeah. And he only had a three-year contract. Mm. That was what... I knew as a nerd at this point in history. And this episode is a flawless setup for Star Trek going forward if Patrick Stewart chooses not to sign on. Yeah, okay, so 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 rather than going chronologically, let's just go straight to the cliffhanger. Like the 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 possibly the single most enduring part of, of this episode and of the two episodes is Mr. Worf fire like yeah. it, 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 we are we are lucky that we're recording this where we are now because before 2018 there would not really have been a comparison to give to like the young people who, who <laughs> had no idea what and i and i didn't experience this i'm this is second hand i was i certainly wasn't watching in 1998 when i was two right but but like it, it when all when all them people got dusted and Thanos disappeared, yeah, and what do we do? And we had we had to wait a whole year to find that out. But 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 that was just a. I mean, I guess cliffhangers were like a, a known thing. But like this was huge. Like this was a cultural phenomenon. Was yeah, what's going to happen? Because I guess back in the day, like like Star Trek: The Next Generation is like one of. Like to, it doesn't matter about your opinion of it or whether you think it's nerdy. Like demonstrably, Star Trek: The Next Generation is one of the most popular television shows of all time, like ever. Like they've it, been raking in millions upon millions of views. Like even if someone you knew was maybe embarrassed to admit that they were a nerd, they were thinking about what was going to happen to Picard. Yeah, and it's a shame that there was no internet for people to <laughs> congregate and worry about Picard. Well, that's the thing. Like there was, it was. Um, up until this point, Star Trek had everybody knew Star Trek. Like Kirk, Kirk and Spock, their cultural touchstones, the Klingons, the Romulans, all of that. Everybody yeah. knows all that stuff. Kirk, Kirk and Spock are two of the most important literary characters we've ever created. Yeah, and yeah. this was the point when, like, the Borg entered that thing of being as important a part of Star Trek as all of that. Yeah, because Resistance is futile. Got just went into the public lexicon like there were SNL sketches like this was being referenced everywhere and by everyone this was it's it's difficult to say like sort of explain how culturally huge this one cliffhanger episode of Star Trek was and it, it so to, so to go to resistance is futile right cuz i cuz i've written about that and i thought about resistance is futile a lot I, there's one thing that i haven't done that i'll get into after this point so resistance is futile is absolutely badass writing, right? It, it, it's badass. It's so terrifying. But resistance is futile. Uh, we are the Borg. Uh, you, your technological and sociological aspects will be added to service us. Yeah, it's literally a mirror image of space, the final frontier. Like space, the final frontier is all about hope. And then 
seek out new life and new civilizations to boldly go where no one has gone before. That absolutely is just distilled human optimism. <laughs> just down to, like if you could drink it, it would be the sweetest of nectars, right? The Borg have their own, and it's just you are fucked. We have found you. You are ours. Like you're. It's so. It's so good, and it's. And the one thing I want to look at is like I. I want to. I. I wonder if anyone has looked at those two um, monologues side by side. Like, are they the same length? Is is oh. was that specific? Like, did they write it to have the same amount of words as the as the famous? It's it's got that I even if they haven't it's got that same it's got the same rhythm yeah, yeah. and it's yeah I am I'm, I'm with you it's just absolutely amazing because so if it goes anybody hasn't seen this the the, the cliffhanger is Picard's a Borg and Riker's in charge of the Enterprise because Picard's a Borg and it ends with with Riker ordering them to to fire a new weapon they've been trying to make that could stop the Borg and it happens like everybody else on board like like all through the episode there's been a thing about Riker not being able to make the tough decisions well so so sorry just to just to set up so so there's Star Trek and I mean obviously we've talked about this over the last couple of episodes Star Trek is smart people working together to use their brains to solve a problem right yeah and in that what you would usually find, either in real life or in interesting fiction, is like a sense of, well, we could do this thing. Will it work? Well, we think so, but we don't really know until we try it. Whereas in this, this kind of, we need to do this thing using the deflector dish. There is, there's no doubt. Like the Jordy, Wesley, they are all like, this will work. It might destroy us, as well. <laughs> But it will fuck that cube up. Like, like you can guarantee, you can one hundred percent guarantee when Worf pushes that button, the Earth is safe from that cube. Well, the thing is, to be fair as well, they do make it clear that it's like it will damage the cube. Yeah. They don't know for how long. They don't know what's going to buy them. And it's that it, the the substance of this episode is very much not that the Enterprise needs to defeat the cube. It's, it's very much that. Well, what I was going to say it's that the the, the the fleet is six days away. Yeah, and they so whatever they can do, they need to slow this cube down. And yeah, no, and also then there is this parallel storyline where Riker has been offered a promotion. Uh, he's been offered a captaincy, um, which and this is great. He's been there for three years. That's about logical amount of time. He's apparently been offered captaincies before, and he's turned them down. And you can argue, yes, I wrote yeah. the the admiral says. Uh, this is the third time we've pulled out the captain's chair for Riker, and he hasn't sat down. To which I responded, "Maybe the back of the chair wasn't high enough." <laughs> uh, <laughs> Can't sit down on a stool. <laughs> uh, the thing is, it's that thing of like, in it. Even though this is an episodic TV show, and there is a logical argument that you could go, Riker thinks it's best for his career mm. to be first officer. On the flagship is a better job than being captain of some fucking science vessel that's off doing fuck all. And I have thoughts on that, but I will come back to, uh, or I will say, that the, the reason that this story came about was literally because uh, fans started writing letters to be like, why Riker's clearly a competent captain, why isn't he taking the captaincy? And so they yeah. had to have an episode that was like, this is why. And yeah. but this is the thing, if pa- if Patrick Stewart's not coming back, this is the perfect episode yeah. to establish that Riker is ready 
So the things you need to do, you need to establish that Riker is ready to be captain and that the staff and Starfleet has belief in him. So both, those are both established. Um, you need to then engineer a situation where he's in the captain's chair yeah. when whatever happens to John Luke happens to John Luke. And then what you also need to do is you need to introduce a new character yeah. who would be a good first officer for because, Riker. And I, and I would like a bit of fanfare for this. Fanfare play. Hot take. Shelby does nothing wrong. <laughs> I am a consummate Shelby apologist, and I will fucking die on that hill. Yeah, there is. I mean, they they bring it up in the episode. The the the, the entire reason that she is a foil for Riker is that she is exactly what Riker was like in season one. Yes, or maybe a little bit before. And I quite like the fact that the only thing she really does wrong is maybe not trust explicitly that Riker is going to present yeah. a viewpoint he doesn't agree with and that's mm-hmm. a fair enough assumption yeah when going over his head to Picard is a dick move yeah but dick moves aren't always necessarily incorrect yes yeah, yeah that's that's the thing it's not illegal to be an asshole, <laughs> which I think is my family motto <laughs> and I like that Picard gets abducted by the Borg which puts Riker in charge of the Enterprise, which means by Riker's own... Because he goes to lead the away team, and Deanna has to be like, well, by your own... By your your own enforced Enterprise policy, yeah. which is Picard doesn't go on away missions, you do, because he's the captain, and so you are now the captain, you can't go. Shelby has to go instead. And he's like, oh, fuck, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and you know what? Shelby absolutely nails that away mission. Like, yeah, they... They find Picard as Lacutus, but they still figure out. So, uh, one interesting thing about that away mission that I learned is that um, Bev, the reason mm-hmm. that Bev is there, it does make logical sense that she would be there because they're trying to get a crewmate and they don't know if he's injured. And obviously, it's the captain, so that's super important. But it is weird that the chief medical officer would go, right? This isn't a fucking, this isn't your James Kirk Enterprise where anything goes, right? Where Bones is fucking. <laughs> Chopping off every every six week, every six hours, right? With a hip flask. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, but the reason that Bev is on that away mission is that Gates McFadden had spoken to the producers and said, "Beverly never gets to fire a phaser," and I'd re- I'd really like to. And they're like, "We can't risk you leaving again." So yeah, <laughs> and she had no way of knowing how season three of Picard was going to go. <laughs> exactly. But no, it's she. I, I also like the fact that if if she didn't go on the away mission, Bev's not in this episode. Yeah. Now, yeah. also to be fair, that would make sense, right? And I and I also get that we're going to have logically thinking ahead, we're going to have a let's deborgify Picard next episode, which is by definition going to be Bev heavy. Bev's job, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going to get a lot. But this is like this episode has Guinan in it before Beverly turns up, yeah. which is like one of those things where you're like, eh, you should maybe have had Bev at some point, which is great. Like, cause, cause, like Whippy, big Whippy fan. Yeah, I think maybe in a later years she's had some interesting takes, but fine. It, 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 she's old. She's of a different place. But like that, 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 that very famous story of like her seeing Star Trek on television and seeing Michelle Nichols and running into her kitchen and saying, Mum, there's a black lady on telly and, and she ain't no maid, I think is, is the exact line that she said. 
but like Guinan, Guinan isn't in this episode very often, very much. Like she's she's literally in one scene. Like they could afford Whoopi for pro- probably one day, but the 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 bit that she delivers is like so intrinsically Star Trek and Guinan, like that yeah. thing of the the Borg took over my planet and they took all my people, but we we survived we moved on like the the oh just that whole fucking scene yeah i mean there is also the fact that guinan um first met picard when he travels back in time and meets her in like two seasons time so <laughs> yeah, she's yeah, aware yeah. that he definitely doesn't this all works out <laughs> but, but nobody else knows that at this point she's hanging out with mark twain but the what yeah exactly but, but the episode <laughs> the, the the bit where uh picard talks about did the i can't remember the name uh but the the roman emperor at the end when the when the Visigoths and the Huns were coming over, like, did he realise that this was the end of the Roman Empire? Just as a just as a as a little bit of a tangent, um, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? I, I genuinely, it might be daily. Have you have you had this question yet? Has Emma asked you this question? What? How often do I think about the Roman Empire? Is Emma is Emma into TikTok? Uh, what, no, Emma asked me how often I think about the Roman Empire, and I immediately responded by going, "If it wasn't for the Roman Empire's cut uh, size of their chariots, the uh, Apollo the Apollo Eleven rocket would have been a different size." <laughs> yeah, because because I, I didn't know this was a thing. So if you're if you're like us, a man in his thirties uh, who hasn't who's, who's who maybe doesn't see TikTok for the actual quite interesting content that it does provide. Basically, there's a thing that all the women in the world have realised that all the men think about the Roman Empire way more than they thought they did. <laughs> She's like, we were just sitting there, and Laura was like, I didn't know about the thing. She went, so um, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? And like, I wish she'd recorded it, because I sort of sat back and sort of folded my arms, and I went, um, I'd say less than twice a fortnight, but more than once a week. <laughs> I yeah I'd go I'd go I'd go almost I'd go so, so the problem is I I used to live in the town of Colchester which was the um, capital of Britain under a Roman rule yeah uh, so it, when so that and that always pops into my head as a little factor about Colchester I think about that time and the yeah the, yeah I, I think about it more than I should yeah even uh, just <laughs> even just like I'm walking home from the station I'm like the Romans they did well didn't they. <laughs> <laughs> they were shit a maps though if, it, yeah. if that makes you feel better because apparently like if you've ever tried to do like arithmetic with um like roman numerals yeah. it's really hard and i once saw an interview with a historian who was asked well how did the romans do arithmetic and his response was badly <laughs> <laughs> like um like we like nearly everything we have of german calculations is just riddled with mistakes yeah why do you think so, our like, numbers are all arabic like, why, why do you think they don't look like any of the fucking letters? We kept all the letters from the Roman new, and then we looked yeah. at the Roman numeral system fucking and went, that is, that is not as useful as this one that goes to 10. Yeah. <laughs> also, can't... the cover of Final Fantasy VII would have looked as nice if we knew if everyone was ingrained in Roman numerals. <laughs> um... um... Right, anyway, this episode, I was going to say, one thing I love about this is the idea, yeah, saying that they've got a room full of people back at Starfleet HQ working just on Borg problems, yeah. which now does make me believe that maybe someone somewhere is actually working on getting Moriarty outside of the holodeck. Be, yeah. Yeah, but not their best people, but... <laughs> like, like, why, like, I mean, because this is... This is the problem, isn't it? This is the issue. I mean, copyright obviously is great. Like, like it, 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 
it keeps things pure, right? It keeps it, it, it for whatever you think. Copyright does kind of really keep things one vision, whether that vision is 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 good or not is is really the question. But like, we should be able to make an official episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation that is the guy in San Francisco who's maybe like just got his just past the academy and is in science and is in programming and he's like I'm going to help this Moriarty guy maybe even as like his dissertation and he figures it out <laughs> and it's just him and Moriarty just hanging out um, and Moriarty doesn't think that he's smart enough and that's kind of the conflict like that would be an amazing episode like how to solve the problem like Moriarty that's 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 the title there for a start you say you say it's somebody just out of academy I, I, I can understand that mindset but personally I think it should be Barclay. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, of course it is. Of course it's Barclay. It's yeah. Barclay and the Doctor from Voyager. <laughs> oh, my God. I get... Oh, it's a shame that um, uh, 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 Dwight Schultz is a fucking clown now. Yeah. 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 Um Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I was going to say this. I've, I've got written in my notes on about three occasions. Is this perfect television? <laughs> I think it might be. So there's to me, and I and I think, and we we talk about generational things on this podcast quite. I mean, literally, we we the literally the entire basis of this podcast is a generational thing, right? Like it's yeah. kind of the point. But um, to me, like television, I. I have spoken at great length on how much I love the 4-3 aspect ratio format. Because to me, that is television. Like, television lives in a square, right? And But if you're Gen Z, you've maybe grown up with just, like, flat screens or wide screens. But no, to me, television is square, right? Um, and, and filmmaking techniques have to be different. And, like, framing techniques have to be different because the because the, the aspect is, is so tall. Um, so it's... So, like... If you, you you could look at this and be like, well, this looks shit. Like, how come we can see everybody's ankles all the time? And I'm like, no, but 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 it, it is perfect eighties TV. Like, this is this is peak eighties television. There yeah. is a, uh, a an account online, um, and what what he does is he takes modern wrestling and he downgrades it and converts it to. To a to VHS, phenomenal, and then he puts it on a CRTV with the, the grain, and then he films that, and then he uploads it online. And I, I don't know why. Like I was watching clips from AEW's All All In at Wembley, an event I was at, yeah, and watching it on that TV for it made it feel bigger. <laughs> I'm, a, I mean, I've I've told you before, my like summertime project next year is I'm going to build a pub in my back garden, yeah. And the, the the whole concept of the pub is that it's going to feel like a like a nineteen nineties pub, like all the ones that I was sat in a corner eating crisps and, and drinking coke, because that that has like an amazingly huge amount of nostalgia for me. But those pubs always had like a shitty four three VHS telly. That's why I've acquired like a hundred VHS tapes, right? But <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to get fucking Endgame and like. <laughs> And, and not just convert it to VHS because that's it's it's not that simple. Like you have to go through and reframe all of the shots 
uh, yeah. to, to do like pan and scan. So pan and scan was if you can. So imagine in a, if you watch Ghostbusters on VHS, right? There would have been bits where all four of them were walking into the frame, um, or in, sorry, into the the, the, the the screen basically, or out of the. I can't. I'm not. I I don't know that direction. But you would only have seen uh, Ramus, Murray, and Aykroyd. Like they always cut out Winston, which is right a crime. Um, but <laughs> what they would do is in a scene where the white screen is important but it's two different characters is they do a thing called pan and scan where they, the frame would essentially move across the white screen depending on who's yeah. sort of talking so I'm going to go into Endgame and I'm going to make it perfectly 4-3 framed so that I can record it from like a DVD player onto two VHS's on, onto two VHS's uh, <laughs> to play in my pub in like the worst shitty quality and I know and I can't wait for you to come and visit me so that we can sit in that pub and smoke a joint and watch shit in game <laughs> and do you know what do you know what I'm going to do it to fucking Star Trek 09 as well I, I bet oh. it, yeah I bet that'll be amazing I bet Str- Strange New Worlds would be good as well Strange New Worlds would be incredible yeah <laughs> Oh, um, this is my new hobby, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I, j- 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 so I was going to say, because um, you're a Shelby apologist, and I agree with you. I don't think Shelby did anything wrong. I think that Shelby, if... Sorry to cut across your point there. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to roll under your point like Jordy LaForge unnecessarily rolling under a closing <laughs> door. Um, he just, I, uh, he, Jordy really likes Indiana Jones. That's, yeah. that's not been mentioned yet, but he starts wearing the hat in the next season. I think uh, he was just a bit like, do you know what? This might be the only chance I ever get to do this if the ship blows up. So I'm fucking rolling under that door. O'Brien does it once a day. That's why his shoulder doesn't work. O'Brien watch. You, you know this is going to be a quality episode because it starts with immediate O'Brien. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and has a consistent level of O'Brien throughout. And you can, you can tell it's serious O'Brien as well because the people in the transport pad don't even have to say energise. <laughs> but, here's, here's what I'm saying. If Shelby had stayed, like if she had become the Riker and Riker had become the captain, she um, she, she's a fantastic character and there's some nice inbuilt conflict in there because you can have oh she's got problems with Riker uh, but equally she doesn't feel comfortable talking to the ship's counsellor because she has this previous relationship with Riker and she doesn't like there's a lot of interesting yeah. things you could do with that and I think she would have and and, I, and that's the thing is like I, I genuinely think this episode was written so that they were like we don't know whether we're getting Patrick Stewart back so yeah. write this episode that is going to set up everything if he's gone but also just works as a good episode if he stays. And you could you could have had that whole thing of like, Riker is obviously supposed to be the new Kirk. Um, yeah. And he acts like Kirk. But Kirk, again, this when I say Kirk, really what I mean is the pop culture's idea of Kirk. Actual Kirk in original series is a great captain. He's a great captain, a great statistician, a great logistician. Uh, yeah. he's he's amazing, he's a fantastic captain but we all have this idea of him being like a fucking mad playboy but you could have had that really interesting dynamic of Riker growing out of that become, because he's become the captain and now there's this new hot-headed young thing uh, come in 
Uh, and uh, yeah, I think I, yeah that would. <laughs> well, Shelby, Shelby, Shelby says to him that she, he doesn't take risks and he plays it too safe. Yeah. And I just reckon that's a result of how many alien STDs Riker is caught by them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, no, 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 I don't go anywhere without taking a shot of penicillin. Just, <laughs> just to, uh, just to briefly go back to to O'Brien. Um, when they beam down to the planet that the Borg has taken all the stuff from, they're supposed to beam down to a city. And they get yeah. down there, and obviously the Borg have sort of shoveled it all out. And then Riker comes up to O'Brien and says, uh, Chief, o- uh, Chief o- or Mr. O'Brien, uh, please confirm the coordinates. And O'Brien's like, yeah, you're, you're there, right? And I really like, I wrote down, um, I like that Riker's questioning of, was, of O'Brien wasn't accusatory, because why <laughs> would it be? He clearly nailed it. <laughs> Course he nailed it. It's O'Brien. If your job is transporter chief, and you are the transporter chief on the Enterprise, yeah. you're going to assume that, in, <laughs> and given how many things can go wrong with the transporter and how little it does, I think we can generally assume that, like, that, that O'Brien is like, I'll beam you down to where you said you wanted to go, and Riker is like, well, that's literally you've never got this wrong before, but also. I don't. I don't want to accuse you of getting like. If I can imagine, if Riker was like, "I can't tell you, uh, come on, <laughs> Lieutenant O'Brien, you fucked this up, haven't you? You've sent us to completely the wrong place." Then Riker would beam back in to getting punched in the face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I I imagine that 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 O'Brien, what he would do is he would pick up the empty pint glass next to him, and he would and he would throw it at the transporter pad. Such that by the time that Riker beamed back in, O'Brien had also beamed a full pint of Guinness into that empty glass. <laughs> and, then, and, then, oh. and then Riker would be like standing there trying to the Guinness, and he'd be like, oh, trying to the Guinness, and O'Brien would just go, yeah, the glass was fucking empty when I threw it, you prick. That's, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm, the best, I'm the best transporter chief in the fleet, you cunt. <laughs> <laughs> and it would have been, and it would have been. Uh, Jordy was in ten forward, and he was like, "You know what? Today I'm finally going to do it. I'm going to try a pint of Guinness." And uh, Whoopi's Guinness done like a three four pint, right? She's done it real special for him. She's put like a little shamrock on the top, and O'Brien specifically beamed that pint <laughs> into the glass. <laughs> uh, well, th- th- here's the thing, right? I, I say Patrick Stewart. Everybody's contract was up at this point, but Patrick Stewart was the one who'd been like vocal about not wanting to do Star Trek. Yeah. But like, there's a chance, like with this episode and this cliffhanger and the way this all goes, you could have killed off half the fucking cast. Oh yeah, yeah. If if, 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 if if like you wanted, like if people wanted to leave and didn't want to do it anymore, because like it's easy to forget that um, Laval Burton. Like we, we we talk a bit about because obviously the the thing with Patrick Stewart was he was a prestigious Shakespearean actor. He wasn't getting to do that. He didn't feel he was getting to stretch his acting legs in season one and two. And in addition to that, that light the spandex uniform yeah, like it, yeah. was like compressing it and giving him back issues. But like Lavar Burton was in Roots. Like he's yeah. no slouch. He was, in, was a, reading Rainbow was paying his mortgage. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He yeah. didn't. If he was unhappy doing Star Trek, he might have equally have gone. I'm out of here, and then you could do a story where you move O'Brien up to being chief yeah. engineer. Like there's, there's, there was no certainty. That's the thing about this. There was nothing like it. Like when I saw Endgame, yeah, I knew that 
when I saw that that a lot of what happened in Infinity War was going to get undone, I I knew that not, the dust things wouldn't be permanent. But I also also then had a separate anxiety that this is the end of the road for a lot of these characters. I wonder who's going to just fucking die. Yeah. Uh, and you could have killed a lot of lot of the characters. Yeah, and they also could have like if you don't if you're listening to this in the future and you don't and you haven't. Um, like saved the pop culture landscape between Infinity War and Endgame to your brain the way that I have. The only other Marvel trailer, other than the, the ones that they announced, like Ant Man and shit, um, which we knew were, were pre Endgame, right? Uh, would be Spider Man, uh, Far From Home, and yeah. they had the trailer for that. And the reason for that is is if you're listening to this you probably know the whole thing about like Sony owns Spider-Man but they they lend him to Marvel and blah 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 so there was an there was a trailer for a Spider-Man movie but the the kind of genius thing and it, it's so genius that I almost suspect it happened by accident is that all of the Marvel characters in Spider-Man Far From Home and specifically in the trailer were dusted so <laughs> you there was a part of me that was like oh maybe they're putting them in two separate universes or like they're they're doing the onslaught thing where they put them in a pocket universe like these all of that was up for grabs i mean i'm not an idiot (laughs) (laughs) yeah after after two billion dollars there's no fucking way they're letting black panther die what are you fucking insane (laughs) no they will they will literally change that entire fucking end sequence to make sure that he's the one who comes out first because originally he wasn't. Do- Doctor yeah. Doctor Strange is not going to die after one Doctor Strange movie. I get that, but what I didn't know was like, well, maybe Wong gets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing is like, and and a lot of Marvel characters have backups. Uh, like you can change them over. At, like we're, we're getting a new Captain America. It's not Steve Rogers. So there are ways of doing these things. To your point as well. We, you, you need to think about this in, in the context of its time. Like, like you could sit there and think, well, it was only season three of The Next Generation. Obviously, they were going to do more. It's like, yeah, but at this point, Star Trek The Next Generation, by the end of its third season, was literally tied with the other most prolific Star Trek show. Yeah. TOS. The only other show that had existed was the animated series, which only ran for two seasons. Maybe even one season. I think it's two seasons. Um, yeah. So the, the, everything was on the table. They, they they could switch everything up. No one, no one fucking knew. The, well, the thing as well with it is you you want to think of like, well, obviously they're not going to kill the captain because you never kill the captain in Star Trek. But that like at this point, got on you. We've got we've got a replacement. We yeah, and but also we we hadn't killed the captain in original Star Trek. That's not enough to say that's a rule. Yeah. To say oh the captains don't and like it's worth noting that the next Star Trek. Immediately after TNG, Deep Space Nine doesn't even have a captain to yeah. start with. He's a com- he, like Cisco starts as a commander. He doesn't get promoted to captain. Like so, there was a- everything was like on the table. It was entirely possible that this was goodbye to Patrick Stewart. One of the number one, one of the several dozen number one rules about storytelling is that if you have something that you think is an established rule, the way to make a story exciting is to break that rule. Yeah, yeah. It's why the main character of Game of Thrones first season 
is not the main character of Game of Thrones because he fucking dies. Yeah. Everything that you know about storytelling tells you that Ned Stark is going to be saved or rescued before he gets his head cut off. But no, him getting his head cut off is actually the inciting incident of everything that happens. That's And that's the thing. This could have been the inciting incident for everything that happens in Star Trek. It is with Patrick Stewart surviving in a different it, it's a different way but you could easily just like you will get a lot of Starfleet captains are going to die in the next episode yeah <laughs> and like Sir Patrick Stewart to once give him his correct title because I imagine <laughs> I imagine he likes it a bit he, he, he probably would be annoyed if you referred to him as Sir Patrick I imagine he's Irish enough to fucking let that get to him right but I, I wrote down, I wonder if Patrick thinks this was going to be his last day because he's delivering these lines like pure velvet. Yeah. And I mean, he's always amazing, but he brought it in this episode. I think as well he'd been... I think that like he, he had been very vocal about being unhappy, and I think he's been given enough good Star Trek dialogue. The Picard speech is becoming a more regular thing. Yeah, big time, yeah. We're getting more of established Picard as a character He's being treated, I assume, a bit better by by the writers, but by the production as well. Yeah, and yeah, like so. There's that element of like, well, if this is my last day, yeah, like even if he didn't, he because I don't know. I I think it's genuinely fair to say I don't know if he decided because they were if he had decided he would have signed the the contract negotiations were ongoing at this point. Yeah. Like if he decided he was definitely going to stay, there's no reason for that. And I, 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 I think that maybe the critical reception of this particular episode would be the point where people were starting to go, "Oh no!" First of all, Star Trek: Next Generation is incredible TV, regardless of being Star Trek. But this was also about the point where people started to say, "Is Picard a better captain than Kirk?" This was the. This was the point that people started to question, is Next Generation the definitive Star Trek? Yeah. Which I, I think it is. I, yes. I, I, and I love TOS. And I I take TOS very much at its own value. Like I, I, and, as much, and I think about it within its time and like I can, I can look over some of the problematic stuff. But ne- Next Gen is, is Star Trek to me. Yeah. T- t- yeah, t- I yeah. Completely agree with you. Like, this was becoming the definitive version of something that was already insanely culturally important. Oh, yeah. Like, it, 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 I imagine people would be surprised if they're very casual fans to learn that not only was Star, did Star Trek only last three seasons, but the third season was, like, lost a lot of viewers and, like, isn't very good and people had sort of lost faith in it at that point. But it, yeah. it became so immediately iconic. Like, Star Trek from its first, has never been off the air. Ever. And it, and it never will be. So long no. as there is television signals being sent out, you will find Star Trek of some description on somewhere. Because it's essentially the fucking autistic atheist religion. Teaches us how to fucking live life. Do you know what I mean? If, if the human race gets off this planet, yeah. like if that is possible, there will be a point that the captain of a starship called Enterprise will be trying to explain human culture to an alien that they're friends with and yeah. will suddenly realise oh you've never seen Star Trek yeah <laughs> and like oh this is uh, this this is possibly the best way I can sum up what we are as a species this is the best of us yeah this is what we hope to be at our core and the fact that we hope to be this 
should tell you a lot about us. There is, because there is, of, of, of course, that, that famous saying, I can't remember who said it, I, I, I'm trying to be smart here, it might have been Descartes, but it's it's that thing of, um, you discover who you really are in the dark. Yeah. So human beings have this kind of, um, this, uh, this sort of obsession with, like, what are we in the dark? Like, what are the horrible things that we think about? Like, what are the real deep, dark, fucking, really down deep held fantasies that we have that are maybe like a bit fucked up we're kind of obsessed with that but we never stop really to I mean I guess this is essentially what religion is uh, maybe <laughs> I should go and find them Jehovah's Witnesses and apologise to them um, but, uh, oh I spoke about that off air anyway <laughs> not that. Um, but uh, the uh, Star Trek is like is like the opposite it's like what we think about ourselves in the light so there's a there's a, a phenomenon um, that's uh, like a sociological one, and it's 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 really interesting. Which is whenever there's like a natural disaster in an area, um, the so it, I, I can't remember where it started, but it, it's named after a small town. Um, mm. This phenomenon, and it's basically there was a um, natural disaster, and everybody in that town pulled together to like try and save as many people as possible like everybody's lifting each other up everybody's doing their own thing and they uh, and they talk about it when you go and interview them about it it's like well maybe other places it goes to shit but here we're yeah. uh, where we're all like and and but this is the thing every time there has ever been a disaster people have done that um like there's new york new york is like oh yeah 9-11 the new york spirit london had the blitz like the blitz whenever things get really bad hum- humanity actually in general tends to bring out the best of us rather than the worst well that's very famously associated with the uh the origin of uh history's topest lad um <laughs> mr fred rogers <laughs> he yes. said that he it, I, I, I don't really know I, i'm kind of half remembering this but i believe that when he was a kid something happened maybe it was pearl harbor or something like that or, or something on that level and he spoke to his mum and he said, like, why do bad things happen in the world? And she responded to him, when you see a bad thing happen, look for the helpers. Mm. Which is a really beautiful sentence. And obviously he took that on board. Like, like, like <laughs> Fred Rogers embodies the fucking ideals of Star Trek. <laughs> like, so much more than any other human being who has ever lived. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be against... There being a like like we like to give all of our Starfleet captains little quirks like uh, Picard and his tea and his love of archaeology and Shakespeare. Yeah, um, Cisco loves his his baseball. Ed Mercer and his Kermit the Frog. Yeah. <laughs> but, but if if there was somebody who like literally like had a little like book like a statue like a little photo a frame photo of Fred Rogers. Yeah, and like uh, like uh, yeah, like who's that? And like Adam go, oh, he's a, an old human uh, uh, broadcaster. But like, I suppose they'd probably call him a philosopher. They probably yeah, they probably yeah, because they wouldn't <laughs> they would have to explain broadcaster. But they'd be like, this yeah. guy spoke to millions and taught them tolerance and yeah. empathy and sympathy and and learning to 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 be in a world where not everyone is like you. Gorgeous. Like, and and, yeah. and the education of children was super important. And like that story of when, sorry, that I, I can't believe this best of both worlds has become a Mister Rogers episode. But um, <laughs> that story of like once he always he walks he always had the same thing. He walked in, he'd take off his shoes, he'd change into his slippers, which was a sort of, you are comfortable in my house, I will be comfortable and you will be comfortable, and then he would always go and feed the fish. 
and there was a, a little girl who wrote to him and said, I'm blind um, and I can't always hear you feed the fish, so I just want to make sure that the fish are all right. <laughs> and from that point forward, he always made a point of verbally acknowledging <laughs> that he was feeding the fish. Gorgeous. Like, what, what a fucking top lad. <laughs> I want to get him and fucking O'Brien in a shuttle and just talk to the <laughs> There's a, a, like, so in the extended, uh, like, various, like, ephemera, there are certain, there are certain ships in the fleet, Starfleet, named after people. I think there's, um, uh, there's a show that's, um, uh, like, there was a uh, role play uh, like a tabletop RPG show that had the US the USS Sally ride, which is the first Great. woman in in space. Um, Sally fucking ride, yeah, yeah. Would, I wouldn't be against some, like at some point in the future somebody having the USS Fred Rogers. That I yeah. would think that would be yeah, exactly yeah. In, in keeping fully with with the the views and opinions of Starfleet. And I, and I think <laughs> there should there should be someone. It should be someone that we already know that we maybe wouldn't expect. Like it's it's Worf's favorite person or something. <laughs> guy was a, he's just like guy was a noble mighty warrior who stood by his principles and made sure that children were always educated like guy, guy, guy stood up against congress like Fred Rogers is a Klingon legend <laughs> and if you served him Gak he'd probably be like I'll give that a shot <laughs> um yeah, no, uh, I, I, I was going to say, oh, oh yeah, also they tease separating the ship in this episode, which I always yeah, love, because yeah. we got that in that first episode, but they like, they're like, well, I mean... Which is which is a, another nice callback, because isn't it Riker who suggests separating the saucer section? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think it is in the yeah. first episode, but I also think that, I, I, I'm going to say there's one bit of poor captaining in here, which is they hide in a nebula, right? Mm-hmm. Um. I would get all the children and put them in the shuttles and leave them in the nebula. Ah, <laughs> uh, see, the, 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 the problem with that is you don't know that you're coming back. If, if the Enterprise gets destroyed, no one knows all those kids are out there starving in that nebula. And if there's anything that Star Trek hates more than anything else, it's starving children in space. <laughs> I would let Starfleet know, obviously, and send a message and be like... Because either we, either there's human beings left to go get back, back and get them, or the Borg will sweep through. Yeah, all these messes can look after them. Um, I, I was going to say, I, I absolutely love the reveal of Picard as well. So, like, right. like Picard's on the Borg ship, and they've said something about him being. They're going to use him as like a the the the, the conceit of the epic that they use for having him turn to Lucius is you have a primitive civilization that won't listen to us as a, a hive, so we're going to make a mouthpiece to get your people to surrender quicker, even though it won't work. I personally think they could have just gone with we need all the defense codes. <laughs> I, yeah, but I, it, I my last note is it. Because when when they assimilate Picard, what they're doing is it's the reason that they're going to Earth isn't just to assimilate Earth. The idea is they want to assimilate the entire Federation. Yeah, is the Federation the biggest assimilation the Borg has ever attempted? I would say so. Because the the thing about the Borg is they are adaptable. So we 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 have had this thing for years, and like this idea that like Locutus has a name, and like the the real real life reason is that they hadn't got the board to the point of realising that they don't have names and they have and blah 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 
Yeah. Which they again we've mentioned it recently. They, they they call back to when uh, Captain Liam Shaw, rest in peace, King, um, it says uh, Lacutus, the only Borg so dangerous they gave him a goddamn name. Um, <laughs> is like maybe they would adapt. Maybe they would be like, all right, this is an entire Federation, and the Klingons will be fucking with them. Like they they could legitimately pose a threat. So maybe we have to adapt. To assimilate them, we know we can take them out, but we—it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, if we know from Voyager that like the Delta Quadrant doesn't have any of these big federations, it's got, like loose planets of trade. No, this isn't like the big space empires all seem to be in the Alpha and Beta Quadrant. Like, there's the Federation, there's the Cardassians, there's the Klingons, there's the Romulans. The but the, the yeah, and, well, the Dominion are up in the Delta Delta Quadrant, is it, or the Can't Gamma? Remember. Gamma, the, the other yeah, one, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so you've got maybe this is the first time the Borg haven't just met a planet and they're like, yeah, this is this is a big that. deal. Yeah. yeah, that I can take. I, I, I just I love that he he comes inside on, so you can only see one thing, and then he turns and he's got the Borg thing. And Patrick Stewart is clearly been directed to have the laser pointer exactly hit the camera lens. So I'm <laughs> I'm going to read something verbatim uh, from Memory Alpha here. Um, the designs of Locutus for this episode and the next were slightly more elaborate than the rest of the Borg suits used here. Michael Westmore recalled how an effective special effect was added, using merely a cheap, tiny, a tiny cheap laser. Quote, My son Michael, who did all the Borg electronics in the eyes and the head, found this little laser that's only one inch long. We mounted it on Patrick Stewart. There's that scene at the end of the first part where Patrick turns his head, looks directly into the camera with his laser. We had no idea what was going to happen. Boy, the phone rang. <laughs> Rick Berman, top of Star Trek at the time, saw it, called them and said, quote, Oh my God, what a great effect, end quote. Now that's an effect that could cost thousands of dollars to do <laughs> if you wanted it to say, this is what I want to do. And we just done it with a little laser. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so effective. It looks amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, and I, I, I also like the fact that they... The, the Borg prior to this, when they've spoken like over the comms, there's been like this hive thing um, where it's a bunch of voices put together. They don't do anything to Patrick Stewart's voice. They just tell yeah. him to deliver the lines without emotion. But he's still got the gravitas of being a fantastic... It, it's, it, it's fucking this episode. If you if you've never watched any Star Trek in your life, watch Best of Both Worlds Part One. It is fucking flawless. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this is like this. This and Measure of a Man would be the if you've got three hours and maybe we've smoked a joint or something, and you have absolutely no interest in Star Trek whatsoever. I would show you Best of Both Worlds because they're exciting. And then I'd show you Measure of a Man, and I'd be like, this is why this is great. This is why this is important. If you said no interest, I wouldn't like, push it any further. No, you've seen you've seen the best. If you then went, oh, okay, I get this, this this I might be interested in, the next episode I would show you would be the one where uh, Picard gets kidnapped by the Cardassians. Because <laughs> it's incredible. But, yeah, um, I just, I can't, I can't... I can't gush about this episode enough. I, I, I think it's perfect. And then, like, to let everyone, like, and then the thing I'm saying is, like, three months. Three months of having no rumours, no things. Like, there wasn't, like, people photographing Patrick Stewart on the set of the new 
Star Trek. No, nothing like that. The internet existed, but it wasn't in that form where there was steady news. Nobody who there was no money to be made in hanging around outside a studio with a long lens trying to get photos and putting them online because there wasn't that that didn't exist as like a revenue stream so we didn't know yeah. until we came back that Patrick Stewart no Patrick Stewart's back and he's signed on for more but damn it's good uh, <laughs> yeah uh, oh, excellent yeah. Um, I uh, I wrote down uh, here are some random notes uh, commence battle sitting down. <laughs> um, why doesn't Wesley get a rank in the credits? That seems unfair. Because he has no ends in Crusher. <laughs> he is. And uh, other than his somewhat problematic lines, is this a rare non-mental admiral? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I'm going to point out, we still haven't really... Spoilers. He ain't making it. Uh, we, we also haven't really settled on what the Admiral uniform is. I also want to say, <laughs> yeah. he doesn't get much to do in this episode, but what he does, Worf is fucking incredible. Oh, yeah. When he delivers the line, when the Borg cubes left with Picard, and he's delivering the line, and he tells them, he goes, it's it's heading straight for the Terran system. And yeah. then Riker just gets to go, Earth. Which, which, if you've got a brain, you got from Terran system. But if, yeah. if, you, if you're not familiar with any science fiction ever, that, well, that's Latin. here. but yeah I I can't remember the exact part because I I, I drank a bottle of wine while I watched it but there was the uh, there is a a bit of this where Worf after Picard gets taken I think Worf has a line and Michael Dorn really sells it that Worf is really worried about Picard yeah but can't portray it as a Klingon I was going to say, I can't. I, Worf is a great character, and we haven't got to the point with the Borg where Worf has found out the thing that will bring him such joy, which is that their defenses don't work against physical weapons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which culminates Borg... in one of the best lines of Picard season three Swords are fun. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just watch this one. It's great. Yeah, absolutely great. It's, it's, it truly is peak Star Trek. Like, it's, 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 it's unquantifiably good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. That's that's. that's yeah. I guess we'll be back in three months. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bye. 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 The Captain's Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at EdEdwardsComedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain's Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog.